Hi, Calling family. This is Pastor Michael, and welcome to our church podcast. I'm so grateful for you tuning in today, and I believe today's message is going to strengthen your faith in Jesus. And so today I want to teach on a subject that I think we all need to know about, especially, say especially, say especially, in light of the times we live, all right, especially in light of the times we live. I normally joke around. That we're going to be here for two hours. Today we're going to, not not two hours, all right. We're going to be here for a little bit of time, I promise you. Um, It's a free country, you can get up and leave. But I think it's going to take a little bit more time, maybe like 35 minutes or so to get through this. But I want you to understand that this is a subject that you need to know about. Especially if you are a believer. And if you're not a believer, if you're watching online, if you're in person, you're not a believer, you're welcome in this place. I would say, why not? But this message will be a little bit sobering, all right? And let's go to the scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 4 verse 13 through 5 through 11. Now the subject we're, we're going to talk about is the rapture. Say rapture. How many of you, just by show of hands, how many of you believe, and it's okay, this, it's okay if you don't believe this, how many believe that there, we might be living in the end of times? Just by show of hands, okay? How many of you by honest show of hands, you're not sure? It's okay. All right. How many of you honestly would like to know more about what the Bible says about the end of times? Yeah, I think all of us, right? All of us. If you're reading Reader's Digest, I don't even know if that's around. If you're reading People Magazine about the end of the times, God bless you. All right. You need help. All right. First Thessalonians. Remember I said this before that a lot what's, what concerns me is that my generation and humanity alone is asking so many questions. What is death? What is life? What is marriage? And a big one today is what is sexuality? All right? How do I, how do, what is, what, you know, all these questions. But watch this. The good book has all the answers to all your questions. Let me say that again. The good book, the holy book, all right? The Bible. I remember when my dad went to prison. God bless him. I love him. And let me tell you. Don't discriminate people who go to jail. Jesus is in jail too. Come on, y'all. All All right? And he would say, that man for that clap. All right? I believe in second chances. Somebody say amen. Don't you think that God gives second chances? Come on, y'all. All All right? And my dad would tell me, and he was for real, and I would would know in my mind that's not right. But he said, Michael, I know, and I I loved how he was growing in his face. Michael, I figured out what the Bible means. It's an acronym. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Do you know that? In my heart, I'm like, that's great, Dad. But in my heart, I really knew that's not what it was. But hey, that still goes, doesn't it? It's basic instructions, all right, before leaving earth. It's not just leaving earth, but how to live in the earth too, right? How to live out your faith, all right? So, so all the questions are here. And one of the major questions we have is what does the end of times look like? What is the, will there be an end of times? Why do we see wars and rumors of wars? Why do we see Israel going through this? What does that even mean today? All right. Politics. Have you noticed a decrease in, um, a decrease in morality today? Come on, somebody. You out there today? When people start calling bad good and what is supposed to be bad, uh, good bad, when it's backwards, something is happening in the world. It's been at work, but let's go to the text and let's see what Paul, the apostle, has to say to answer some of these questions. Now, pay attention. This is a very important message to put in, your, in the pocket of your heart, all right? Because you will see, you have seen disasters, you have seen things, 
but you measure it by the Bible. And it says this in 1 Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, we, watch this. We do not want you to be uninformed. Say it with me. We do not want you to be what? So does God want you to go about life not knowing what to do? Let me tell you something. I have no knowledge when it comes to deep sea diving. No, no, I don't know what to expect. And you know what? I will never do that because I can't stand a shark. You know what I'm saying? In the name of Jesus. I have, John Snow- I have been brave and gone to Laguna Beach and I've swam out far. I have. And I've, I've snorkeled. And, when I'm, and let me tell you, you know, the Little Mermaid, it's real, y'all. That's a beautiful, it's beautiful down there. Oh, my goodness. It's beautiful. You see colorful fish. But don't, don't, be, don't get twisted. I'm looking for a shark down there. I'm trying to be brave, but I won't go deep sea scuba diving. No way. I don't know what, I don't, I don't know the, when it comes to the Grand Canyon, I don't have much information other than it's amazing. Seventh wonder of the world. I've never been there. I can't tell you what's there. I can't tell you where to go. Why? Because I'm uninformed about it. I don't have no knowledge. That's what the Greek word means. Uninformed means no knowledge, no information, to be ignorant. Let me tell you something. The church should be not ignorant. God wants us to be informed, not uninformed about the end of times. Isn't that good news? All right. So it says, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who watch this. Who sleep in death. Now I'm going to read through this. It's going to be a little bit of Bible reading. But bear with me and then we'll, get, we'll extrapolate the text. It says about this. About those who sleep in death. So that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind. Who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus. For what? For we believe. For we believe the Christian. That Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, say still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will, watch this, will certainly not precede those who've fallen asleep. Now there's order, there's structure, and with God there's always purpose, there's always intentionality, there's always order. We do not serve or believe in a God of disorder. Even the creation has order. There should be order in the household, right? A uh, 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 father, husband, uh, wife, kids, right? The devil, let me tell you, the devil, what he is meant to do is to destroy the order of God. He likes to pervert the order of God, all right? Everything the devil, he's not really creative because he just tries to recreate what God, in a perverted way, what God has already instated and created. You guys following with me? According to the Lord's word, verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. There's that order. All right. Who's going to rise first? All right. After that, who are, we who are still alive, after that, we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. There, right there is the rapture. And I'm going to extrapolate that in a bit. All right. Right there is the rapture. So after that, we who are still alive and are left, left will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, say therefore. Now as we study the text, we're learning. Now Paul is about to break a point up. And he says, therefore. What? What does this mean? Encourage one another with these words. All right. Goes on to say, now brothers and sisters, about the times and the dates, we do not need to write to you. Interesting that Paul says that. And it means that they already have some understanding. 
For you know very well, watch this, that the day of the Lord, say day of the Lord. It's important for you to know this. Now this, this point is a breakaway point from the rapture. This is a whole nother point called the day of the Lord. You have the day of the Lord or you have the rapture and you have the day of the Lord. All right. Now he's talking about a whole nother event. Okay. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. But you, say but you, brothers and sisters. Watch this and I love this. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, Christians. So that this day should be a surprise to you like a thief. You are all children of the lights and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. All right, but let us be awake and sober. That's right, homie, if you're still partying, going to club, we love you. You're welcome here, but it's time to be awake and to be sober in Jesus' name, all right? Putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us. Now look at this. This is why I believe in rapture right here, all right? For God did not appoint us to what? Suffer wrath. And this is in context. So I'm, I like to think of myself as a tiny fringe biblical scholar. Little, little sliver. Little, little Latino, Chicano, Baldwin Park, Pomona, SGV, baby, let's go. Biblical scholar. Now, when it, the context is what? The context is the day of the Lord. The context is this epoch, the epoch of the time. The, 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 the last days. And so Paul, it's important when we study scripture to always know the context because I teach you that a, a text without a context is a con. Let me say that again. A text without a context is just a con. That's why you have to be very careful when you watch Instagram or YouTube and you see these little sound bites and you have no context. Context is everything. You see what I'm saying? All right. So a lot of times even people that don't know what they're teaching or talking about, they're, they're um, they sometimes pull scriptures out to mean something the Bible never says. And then sometimes we wonder why our faith is messed up. All right, it means that we have to study. All right, but look what it says in context. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath in context of the latter days, last days. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to what? Receive salvation. Soteria in the Greek. Salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us. So that whether we are awake, all right, whether we're living or asleep, and I'm going to talk about that too, we may live together in him. Therefore, encourage, there's the other second, of, uh, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing, all right? How many believe the word of God is powerful? Come on, somebody, all right? And what I just read to you right there should provide so much clarity, now, I'm going to extrapolate the text, all right, and we're going to get deep into it. The title of my message today is Rapture Ready. Can you say it with me? Rapture Ready. Rapture Ready. Now, I, I like, and in some ways, I, you know, I'm a product of the late 80s and 90s. I think the 90s were the best decades. Come on, all right. Um, I remember movies like Armageddon, all right. How many remember that? Ben Affleck, right? Bruce Willis. 
man, now I'm a dad, and I, you know, that whole scene with his daughter, and you know, one of my songs with my daughter is, I don't want to miss a thing, even when I dream, of, what do you got, Corrine? When I, when I dream of you, right? The sweetest dream will never do. I still miss you, babe, right? And I don't want to miss a thing. That was the song that I have with my girl, Hope, right? And uh, I think of Deep Impact. Remember that asteroid that hit the world and this great um, tidal wave just, you know, came and destroyed the world, so to speak. You know, you read books, you see culture, you see, you hear music, all right? This is not, uh, this is not a secret that in the world that there is this, some stir about the end of times. You could read books, you can watch movies, listen to music, all right? So it's out there today. And even unbelievers go, what's going on? There's some kind of weird events that are happening, especially in light of the la- these last years that we've seen. When we talk about COVID-19, how scary of a time was that? How, I mean, that was a time in my ministry that I felt like, God, if you just told me about COVID-19, I would have not have started church. <laughs> I would have just been comfortable doing my thing. But for some reason, God found me and my wife and this church worthy to be started to help the people. Somebody say amen. All right. Which we feel is the greatest cause in the entire world. So while people were fearful and while people were scared, guess what Pastor Michael and Kareem knew? We knew the scripture. We knew the word. Therefore, we could be confident about the times, all right? And God wants you to be confident about the times today, all right? But also, we see wars and rumors of wars. We see treaties with, you know, out in the world with great nations. We see, you know, there's the uh, war in, um, I'm totally blinking out right now, in Ukraine. Now the war in uh, Israel. But why Israel? Why does Israel play a significance when it comes to the t- end of times? Why, did, why? Because life is not just physical. Life is spiritual. All right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain this in a minute. But we always got to look at Israel because, watch this. Israel, you might, you might think in your mind, why Israel? What significance do they have when it comes to the end of times? Let me tell you. God used the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, it's no small thing to bring us the holy scriptures. God used the prophets who were Israel, Israelite or Jewish. In fact, our own Savior is what? Jewish, right? And the Bible says that through the Jewish people, the whole world would have this light. And so watch this, anti-Semitism, any kind of racism, any prejudice is actually considered evil in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right? But watch this, we always got to keep our eye on Israel because it's a, um, not a, not a template, what's the word? It's a, it's a cause to understand what the seasons and the times are. Though the Bible says this, no one knows the day or the hour, but we can be prepared, better prepared. We can look at the events that are happening in the world and measure them by what it says in Scripture. All right? And watch this. The Israel, Israelites, Jew, the Jewish nation is a spiritual people. All right? This, is, this battle in the world is not just physical. When it comes to the end of times, the battle is not going to be this way. The battle is, gonna, is already now and has been, what, this way. Good versus evil. It's spiritual. God, so to speak, heaven versus hell. All right? And what we see, a great sign to me, honestly, uh, today is the climate of morality. 
the climate of morality, if you just ask yourself, look at what people are saying is good. Why are people saying that these degrading, debased, or, or these horrific things are good? In fact, who are you, homie, to define what is good for me and define what is good for you? That's called wickedness. There's only one person that can define what is good and define what is evil. That is God himself, the creator and the savior. And anything he measures, all right, uh, uh, according to him that is not good is not good. But what you have today is a a great amount of people saying, my truth, my truth, as if it's a capital T. Homie, your your, your T is a little T. The truth is Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Somebody say amen, all right? That's the truth. That's the truth. So let's get into it, all right? Let's get into the scripture today, more deep in detail. So in context, what Paul's writing, he's writing to the Thessalonican church, all right? He's writing, writing, it's his second missionary journey, and he's writing to this church in Thessalonia. And what has happened is they're discouraged, they're persecuted for their faith because there's only one king and his name is Caesar, not Jesus. And in that Roman, in that Roman culture, if you proclaim a king other than Caesar, who is somewhat of a demigod, all right, you, you are, you, you're going the wrong way. And so Christians say, that's not our king. Who's our king? Jesus Christ is our king. And watch this. In the end of times, that's what's going to happen in the great tribulation. What's going to happen is the devil is going to come up out and he's going to pronounce himself as God. And there's going to be one last moment for Christians, all right, so to speak, to be saved, to say that Jesus is Lord. And what is he going to do? He's going to try to wipe them out, all right, or he will behead them, so to speak. Let me, I'm moving ahead, but let me get into context. Paul's writing to this church who's, who's being persecuted, all right, and they also are confused. Say confused. They think, they wonder, who, those who have died in Christ, what has happened with those who have died in Christ? Did they miss out on the rapture? They're thinking that God, God, Jesus has come back and the dead in Christ are forsaken. But this is where we get the context of rapture, all right, and I want to answer some questions when it, come, when it comes to being, uh, being dead in Christ. Look what the Bible talks about. How the Bible, watch this, this is so important. You need to know this. This is your vegetables. This is your corn. This is your cornflakes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Without the sugar, right, this is the most important part. Or this is an important part for you to know as a believer. And let me just say this as I slow down because I'm excited about all this. I feel like there's so many Christians living so arrogantly. And if we're not starving for Christ, if we're not eager to go to church, if we're not eager, like Erica said, to build up the body of Christ, which is the light of the world, which is a reflection of Christ, the light of the world, if we're not eager, what makes you think that you're going to go with God in heaven? There will be people left behind. There will be, and we're going to get into that. But, but, but look what it talks about. You need to know this part. What it ta- how Jesus defines death. Say death. Now look what he says. And it, it's, it's kind of interesting. He talks about falling asleep in Jesus. He talks about death as being asleep. Say asleep. When you go to a tombstone, sometimes you see what in peace. What? Rest in peace. When Jairus, the, the Pharisee, came to Jesus... 
And he begged Jesus, just heal my daughter. Remember that? He, he was in distraught. He was, heal her, please. He was a Pharisee, all right? And Jesus came and he said, she's just asleep. And they all laughed like, what are you talking about? She's dead. You're saying she's asleep? It gives me chills on my body. I want you to know today that if you have family members who have died as a believer, they're not dead. They've just taken a nap. They're not dead. They're just resting. Come on, somebody. When you die, if you die as a believer, the Bible says that when the rapture comes, uh, uh, if those who are still alive, someone even experienced death, they'll be changed just like that. Isn't that, ama- that would be amazing, right? But watch this. If you die in Christ, you're just taking a nap. Now, I'm going to give you some deep theology here. Because when God created humanity, he made, he formed the body first. He made them out of the dust of the ground, correct? He made them out of the dust of the earth. Then what did God do after he made the body? He breathed the breath of what? Ruach, the breath of life in them. So what happens in death is that when you die, your spirit departs, your soul departs from the body. And the Bible says to be absent of the Lord is to be present with Jesus. Your last breath on earth will be your first breath in heaven. But in the last days, and the fulf- your, your body will be separated from your spirit. And that's what ha- the beautiful promise of Scripture, because Jesus died and he rose again, is this, that when he comes back, all right, for the rapture, this is, the, this is the, the next prophetic thing on the calendar. When Jesus comes back for his church, the dead in Christ, their spirit will come back to their body. Well, they will be the first to rise with him. Somebody say amen. And watch this. My dad died 13 years ago or so. I miss him all the time. But you know what makes me so happy? He accepted Jesus. He acknowledged his sins, his mistakes. And he, this is what I don't understand. Well, I do now. I do now because I'm, I have Christ. But in the end of your life, in the end of times, you will be responsible either to pay for your own sins or to receive the one who's paid for your sins. Now, which one are you going to choose? Man, I'm going with Christ. Somebody say amen. You guys out there today, give the Lord a clap if you're out there today. Come on, y'all. Now, that's a little teaching on what happens. So, so the, those that are dead in Christ, like my father, who's received him, his spirit departed from his body, okay? But watch this. The beauty of Scripture is this, that he does not have to be part of my past. I will see my dad again. He will be a part of my future. And for that time, everlasting. Come on, y'all. Isn't that good? So you don't have, watch that the Bible says we don't have to grieve as those who have no hope. Who are those that have no hope? Those that don't have Christ. They have no hope. But those that have Christ have an everlasting hope that will hold you down when storms come. That will hold you down when the world goes amok. That will hold you down. Come on, somebody. The righteous shall never be shaken because of our blessed hope. You guys out there today, right? This is so important teaching for today, and I, I'm very sorry. There are churches that want to do bubble gum and butterflies and be like pat, pat, pat. But we need to teach you to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Somebody say amen. So it goes on to say this. So we don't want you to be ignorant. We want you to have this information, Paul says. You know, I was asked um, six, seven, maybe in the beginning of the year, I was asked by a Christian school 
in the local community, would you speak at our, church, at our, at our school? And I said, oh, sure, I would love to. I would love to serve. I, I, I love the body of Christ. I would love to serve. And, he, and I said, what do you want me to speak about? And he said, I want you to speak about the end of times. And I said, how old are they? <laughs> and then he's like, they're eighth graders and few high schoolers. I said, man, uh, are you sure? <laughs> you know, he said, absolutely. I don't, these kids are seeing everything on YouTube, TV. You, they already know all, they see all these things. And I'm not, I, I want to prepare them. And I said, whoa, that was heavy, man. I was like, man. So I paced, as I prepared that whole week, I paced back and forth. Lord, I mean, this is tough stuff. This is, this is big stuff. You know, I remember when I was eighth grader, I want to get married. You know, I want to be with Britney Spears. You know what I'm saying? Now I don't. Now I don't. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> A little quick tip, fact for you. I used to marry, I used to pray every night when I was in sixth grade. I remember I was at the top of my bunk. All right, I used to pray. And I say, Lord, I want to marry Britney Spears. And Lord, I want to be a shortstop for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And God had enough grace for me to say no to each of them, all right? Come on, y'all, all right? Um, and I have my beautiful Kareen Catherine Alfaro, who is a way amazing a wife. Come on, y'all, all right? She brings the best out of me for sure, all right? Now I got lost. Now I don't know where I was going. All right. We, we, God wants you to be, oh yeah, so eighth graders. So how can I speak to them about this? And this is what the Lord gave me, and I'm going to give it to you. By the way, they're a much more rougher audience than you. <laughs> if, if you love someone, you're going to tell them in advance what's to come. If you love somebody, you're going to share with them because you have compassion and you have care. Now, if you don't love them, you're not going to share with them. If you don't love them, you're not going to tell them in advance. If you don't love someone, you're just going to disregard them. But look what Jesus does. He lets you and I know, his church, what's to come. How, why? So that we can prepare. Say prepare. So that we can be prepared and we can, be, um, uh, we can understand what's to come. This is what I shared with them. And I, I'm sharing the same thing with you today. God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to hang with a question mark over your head about these times. In fact, watch this. You don't have to be discouraged about the times. Rather, be encouraged because you're not them. You are in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. You have a hope. In fact, the rapture can also be called the blessed hope. All right? Because we, the church, uh, and the bride say come in Revelation. We want his coming back. Amen? So, what, so rapture, what does it mean? It means snatched away. The Greek word, it comes from the Greek because it was originally written in Greek. It means harpazo. Say harpazo. Now, you get people and they get all smart with you. There's no rapture in the Bible. The Bible does not explicitly say rapture. That is correct. The Bible does not explicitly say rapture. In fact, the, rapture, uh, the word rapture comes from rapio, the Latin Vulgate, which was translated in the 400s by Jerome. That's why we get the word rapture from the Latin Rapio, but instead of going to the Latin, we can go straight up to the original context and text, which is in the Greek. And in the Greek, the word is not rapio. The, you guys with me? It's a good teaching. The, the, the Greek is harpazo. The Greek, and that word, it means to snatch away. It means to seize. It means that, like snatching away of the hand. And that's exactly where we get rapture from. Because God is going to snatch us away before the great tribulation that will take place right after the rapture. And we have some examples. Look what it says in 
First um, uh, Corinthians chapter 15. Ellie, please follow me. I'm so sorry. I know I'm skipping around. But it says this. We, we will not fall asleep, but we all will be changed. Say changed. In a flash, the twinkling of an, of an eye, the batting of an eye, basically, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will, will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, mortal with the immortal. In other words, what the Bible is saying, you can't go to heaven with your body like this. Flesh and blood does not inherit uh, the kingdom of God, eternal life. In other words, you're going to be given a better body, the resurrected, glorified body. Somebody say amen. You're going to get your hair back, your hair back. You're going to get, you know what I'm saying? You're going to get your beauty back. No, I'm sketching to say that. All right. You're going you're gonna to get your glorified body. And we have an example of the resurrection of Christ. He's, he has a glorified body, all right? Because in this state, we cannot see God. But it means to be snatched away. And there's some great, I believe, evidence for the rapture. Or excuse me, well, yes, the rapture. And in Christendom, I don't think the rapture is as debated as much as when it will come. Meaning pre-trib, which is before the great tribulation. Mid-trib, which is in the tribulation. Or post-trib, which is after the tribulation. And I'm going to get to the tribulation in a moment. And that's going to be very sobering, all right? But I believe in my theology, and I would say our stance in church and a lot of, um, a lot of traditions and, and a different, um, uh, different um, I don't say congregations, the uh, denominations hold this view, is a pre-trib, pre, pre-trib rapture. And here's why. Because we just read it in Scripture. It says this in Scripture, and I'm going to read it again. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter, 5, verse 9, chapter 5, verse 9, it says, For God did not appoint us to what? Suffer wrath. Now, this is not wrath of humans. This is wrath of God. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I do believe that there's some instances and examples for a pre-trib rapture. I have three of them for you. Number one is this. Remember what happened to Noah. And Jesus says this in Matthew 24, when he talks about the end of times. All right. You guys follow me? Just checking in. All right. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 24. He brings up Noah. And he says, what happened in Noah's time? They were marrying. They were doing this. And all of a sudden, what happened? A flood came and took them away. Were they ready? Absolutely not, the people. Who was ready? Noah and the family, which represent, if you will, Christians right there. What happened during Lot's time? Remember, Lot was living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you remember what God did to Sodom and Gomorrah? God poured out wrath and judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. But before he poured out wrath on Sodom and Gomorrah, what did God do? Abraham was praying and interceding for lots. That's why we should pray and intercede for family members that do not know Jesus. And what did he do? God spared uh, Lot and his family. Then God judged the city. You see that? What happened with um, Rahab at Jericho? You remember, as Israel is going into the promised land, one of the first battles is Jericho. And they find this woman who is, actually the Bible says is a prostitute, but she helps Israel and the nation of Israel. And she is told to put this scarlet rope right around her window. And because she helped the nation of Israel, God judged Jericho but spared Rahab. In fact, Rahab is part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So what's my point? 
Because God so loves his church, his bride, I believe he's going to rapture us before wrath. Come on, somebody say amen and give the Lord a clap for that. All right, how many of you want to be raptured? I don't believe that he will allow us to go through this utter devastation that Revelation talks about and the prophetic books talk about. Why? Because I believe we are ready. Watch this. And this is another reason why I believe in pre-tribulation rapture. Why, why in Scripture would Jesus, the Bible tell us to be ready, to be ready, to be ready, to be ready, to be ready? Because he's trying to let us know that when, like a woman has labor pains, the end will come. And it will be, and no, watch this, the Bible says no one will escape it. So let's talk about uh, the tribulation really fast. What is the great tribulation? So we have on the prophetic calendar, this is what I believe. But here's what I teach too. If you don't believe in pre-trib rapture, you know, we're still brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Come on, y'all. The main thing is the main thing, that Jesus came and died again, all right, and rose again, died and rose again on the third day. And we can debate all the doctrine later. Come on, some of you out there. But if you want to be all stinky, you can be a post-trib if you want. I'm going to be optimistic about a pre-trib. Somebody say amen, all right. But, but so that's what I have faith and I believe. You, uh, so what, what is, like I said, so much debatable is when the rapture will happen. But let's talk about the great tribulation. Now, this is in scripture. Everything I'm telling you is biblical. The great tribulation is a period in which the world has never seen before. It is a period of utter devastation. Let's read it again. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2, verse 3, it says this. For you know very well that the day, that the what? That the day of the Lord, this is judgment. This is called the day of great reckoning. This is the judgment day, all right? Will come like a thief in the night. Does a thief tell you when they're coming? They wouldn't be a very good thief, right? Like a, like a what? Like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace, safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, just like Noah's time, just like Sodom and Gomorrah and Jericho. Watch this. As labor pains, say labor pains, on a pregnant woman. Who has, deli- who has children, all right? Yes, and I remember a time when we had our second son and our second child, our second son. Maybe I have one in Jesus' name, all right? My wife actually wants more children. So pray for the brother. Pray for our brother right now, all right? Uh, We have two kids, and uh, the first one took a long time. Anyone gone through that? The first one took like 14 hours. You know, we were there the whole day and, you know, know, on that little chair in the hospital and kind of, you know, so when we were pregnant with my second one, I was actually really busy. It was last, a few summers ago, actually. And I was really busy. In fact, the city, the, the district told me, hey, you have to close down. The city's taking that, but we want you to move here. And I said, okay. So that was a whole big, you know, thing to do. It was a lot to do. And I will never forget, my wife said, you know, my wife, just be ready. Be ready when he comes. I know you're working a lot. I know you're doing a lot, but just be ready. Guess what happened? <laughs> I heard also to the, through the grapevine that a lot of people would say, your second one, believe me, is going to come fast. And I was like, nah, I was with the first one, y'all. It's not going to be that fast, all right? And they were like, just, you know, here's the thought. Just, it's going to be fast. And I, you know, so I, I kid you not, my son was supposed to be born on June the 14th. All of a sudden, June 9th came. And I remember my wife, she's pregnant, you know, she's doing this whole thing, and you know, 
and uh, feet swollen. In fact, another story for you, my wife was so swollen, we had to cut the ring off that I bought her wedding ring. Yeah, that was kind of sucky, all right? <laughs> I bought her a new one since. But um, uh, I remember all of a sudden on June 9th, she said, I feel something. I kid you not, 25, 30 minutes later, my wife was already eight, eight dilated, all right? And she's like, you're not ready. And I was like, I'm sorry, I ever thought the first one, you know, it was a lot longer. How many of you know it's a lot of Christians? That is a lot of Christians today. This is, this is going to be, this is true now, and it will be true then. My sick, I have soccer practice. I got to pay the bills. I have to work. I have, let me tell you, do you want to be left behind? Come on, somebody. Or do you want to take the, 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 the information that God is giving you to be prepared and be with him when he comes. Somebody say amen. You out there? And let me tell you, it is, can be discouraging as a Christian today. Why? Because a lot of Christians go, you know, well, look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. They're not putting God first. They're, they're doing this. They're, you, and here's my, my uh, prescription for you. Don't follow them. Follow him. Come on, somebody. Amen. Don't be discouraged about what they are doing. Be encouraged about what God is doing. You make it a, a point to go to church. You make it a point to serve God. You make it a point to get over your addiction, to get over your habits. Be ready. Come on, somebody. The Bible says this, that, that it will come suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. You guys hear me? You out there? All right, now let's talk about the great trip. escape what? Now we're talking about the great tribulation. The great tribulation is a day in which the world has never seen. It will be judged by God and God will pour out wrath upon it. And the serpent, the old devil, will, come, will be upon the earth and he will, he, will, he will disguise, this is what the devil always does. He disguises himself as a person of peace. But in the end, he is not. He's only making peace with the nations as a means to get them to serve him. But the Jews at that time, all right, will know who he really is. And part of the great tribulation is to actually give the Jews one more opportunity to understand who the real Messiah is. And the Bible says that they will, uh, in that time, they will come to Christ. Somebody say amen, all right? And not just them, but even those who are Gentiles. But let's talk about what will happen in this time period. The day of the Lord is a time of judgment and wrath unleashed on the world like a time the world has never seen. Much death will happen, sorrow and deception. This is a period that is laid out in the book of Revelation for seven years right after the rapture. Following uh, the rapture of the church, there will be disease. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the earth and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. In fact, there's an asteroid called Wormwood that will strike the earth and a third of the waters will become poison and a third of people will die in the earth just like that. And also all the third of the sea life, animals in the sea will die. All right. But death, uh, and, and it's so bad that it, it's absolute carnage, but it's so bad that the Bible says this. It says this, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die. Isn't that crazy? They will long to die, but death will elude it. It is absolute carnage, chaos, and devastation. Evil will spread without restraint 
more wars, diseases, famines. And let me tell you, if you think what you see today is scary, you have not seen nothing yet in the great tribulation. It is far greater and superior than any other time. And in fact, Jesus Christ would say this in Matthew 24. He says this, if, it, if the days were not cut short, no one would survive. All right? Nobody would survive. All right? So it's a time of utter judgment and chaos. Satan will be revealed. The nation of Israel will get, be given an opportunity. And here's why they're, and, and, and just so you understand this, the branches, the Bible says in Romans, are blessed because the roots of the roots. In other words, the Gentiles, the world, has, has, have, has, has salvation because of the Jews. Because salvation has come to them first. And the Bible says, you are not more special than them. Do you understand? You are not more special than them. The re- you are blessed because they are blessed. Because I blessed them, you are blessed. And so what God desires to do is give them another opportunity. All right? So the, the tribulation period. This is all found in the book of Revelation chapter 6. And you can read it. All right? And so let's go on to this. What does it mean? I'm almost done. I promise you. So, so what does this mean for me today? What does this mean for us today with all this information? It means not to play it safe. It means not to be on the fringes of our faith. It means not to take it easy. Because one day Jesus is coming back. And let me tell you, don't you want him to come back? Don't you want him to come back, church? Why, why should we want him to come back? I mean, when you hear babies' heads cut off, when you hear murders... When you hear wickedness and for suffering for no other reason, for just being good, why, why would we not want Christ to come back and restore order to this world? Come on, somebody. Why, would, do we want this? Because if the Bible says if you are a friend of the world, you are an enemy of God. And let me tell you, I don't understand everything there is to understand on the other side, but I know that the Bible says it's much better than this place. Somebody say amen. All right. The, the, the bride and the church and revelation, the, at the very end, say, come. So be ready. Say, be ready. Be ready. Now, here's another point. How many of you have people in your family, family members, that don't know Jesus? Just raise your hand. Yeah. Look around. Keep your hand up. Look around you. How many people? Yes. Neighbors. Coworkers. Now, this isn't a prime opportunity, not for you to be a Bible wired for sound and be all crazier and holier than thou, but just simply give an invitation. Hey, you never know what someone's going through. Would you want to come to church with me? Hey, do you know Christ? Hey, can I pray for you? Most people will receive prayer. So it means that we shouldn't be taking it easy and cruising. It means that we need to be climbing. Somebody say amen. It doesn't mean that we need to take it easy and cruise in our faith. It means that we need to be climbing. And I'm going to be really honest. Can I be honest? I'm a pastor. I have to. All right. Planning a church and being a pastor is not easy. It's not easy. But you know what keeps me going? Is my Lord and my Savior. I will never forget. There was a time that I wanted to quit the ministry in 2020. I don't have it in my, up on the screen, but I'm going to share it with you. There was a time I wanted to quit. And I was like, man, Lord, I have enough troubles on my own. I don't want to carry their troubles too, <laughs> if I'm honest. I don't want to do, I, 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 need, I need your help. Give me more grace, you know, and, and grace, grace, grace. I'll never forget. I was driving to record the service back when we had to. We had no choice. And a car came in front of me. It was a Honda Civic, and it was all black. 
And I will never forget on the license plate, it said this, Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. And I said, look, Kareen, I think God is saying something to us. And he, and he surely was. And I'll read it to you right now, okay. Uh, he was encouraging me because the times are dark. The times are dismal. And let me tell you, right now there's a mockery of people mocking the faith. And that, that itself is only a, a revelation of where times are. When people are mocking Christianity and mocking faith, that is a revelation of the time in which we live. All right? But this is what God gave me. And I believe that this is a call for this church, for my life, and for your life too. Look what it says in Daniel 12.3. It says, those who are wise... And, and, and the subject is the end of times. Daniel 12, 3. Those who are wise, say wise, will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like stars forever and forever. What this means is not to cruise in your faith. What this means is, yes, bring your troubles, bring your doubts, bring your worries, bring your baggage to Christ. Don't run away from him in these times in which we live. Jesus can come back any moment. Why wait to give him your life? Why wait to serve him? Let me tell you, be a part of this church. Be a part of life groups. Be a part of worship. Be a part of the calling kids. Help build up the body of Christ Jesus. And let's see many more people come unto salvation. The Bible says that all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You out there with me today. And maybe God brought us this building to fill it up, to bring, give people another opportunity, another chance to come home. Somebody say amen. You out there today. So what's, what's the beauty of all of this is that if you're a Christian today, if you love the Lord, the next thing that's to come on the prophetic calendar is the rapture. And when he comes, the dead in Christ will rise first. And some of us, if he comes in our lifetime, we won't experience death. Wow. We'll be changed in a twinkling of an eye. And we won't have to suffer wrath. We will get to see our loved ones again. And most importantly, we get to be with our Savior again. Someone give the Lord a clap. Come on, y'all. We get to see him face to face. We get to worship with him. And then after the great tribulation is the second coming. Don't get it twisted. Say the second coming. The second coming of Christ, the rapture, God comes for his church. In the second coming, he comes with his church. And we come to do battle with the enemy and we overtake him. Somebody say amen. All right. So rather than be discouraged, be encouraged. And I love what the Bible says. In these days, build each other up. Comfort one another. Build each other up. Care for one another. Carry each other's burdens. Pray for each other. Pray for our family members that they will receive healing, heal, salvation. That they will know the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the question that they, the, the answer to whatever they're asking is not, is, is Jesus, really. That's who uh, uh, th th their answer to what they're dealing with really truly is. Not a pill, not a beer bottle, not another woman, not another man, not social media. It is Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. Somebody say amen. Look what Luke chapter 21 says, and we'll work our way to a close. It says this. So when you see rumors of wars, when you see pestilence and COVID-19, when you see all these things that are happening, hang your head low be afraid and discouraged. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus says this in Luke 21, verse 28. When these things take place, stand up, lift up your head, because your redemption draws near. In other words, don't hang your head low. 
don't be afraid. God gave you this letter so you can be prepared, so that we can be ready. Are your bags packed? Don't be like me when I had Caleb. My bag was not packed. Are you ready? Because this is a fact. Many who say they love Jesus, many say who they serve Jesus, perhaps because they've been so on the fringe, can be left behind. But be ready. Don't be okay with the sin that you're harboring. If you, if, you're, if, you, if you are in sin right now and we all sin and we struggle, not to go, ooh, look at you. No, we all have this. And we all have the same blood, the blood of Jesus. But watch this. Don't be okay with it. God wants you to live in a way that you're ready so that you're blameless. The Bible says complete and perfect. All right? Don't let your conscience trick you to think that what you're doing and let the world tell you that it's okay when you have the good book that says, no, God saved you to be pure and blameless, but also to let the word of God work in your struggle, through your struggles. Somebody say amen. And as you work out your salvation, as you work out your struggles, as you work out, come to the house of God where God loves you, where God will restore you. Somebody say amen. You out there today. Last point, and I promise I'm closing. The Danish philosopher Kierkegaard, one of the great ones, tells a parable of a theater where a variety, a variety show is proceeding. Each show is more fantastic than the last and is applauded by the audience. Suddenly the manager comes out forward. He apologizes for the interruption, but the theater is on fire. And he begs his patrons to leave, go, get out in orderly fashion. But the audience thinks this is a most amusing turn of events. And they even cheer louder. The manager again implores them, leave, get out, save your lives. And he, is, and he is again applauded even more vigorously. Wow, at last he can do no more. The fire raced through the whole building and the fun-loving audience with it. And so concluded Kierkegaard, will our age, I sometimes think, go down in a fiery destruction only to the applause of a crowded house cheering. I'm here to tell you, don't be like them. The train is at the station. The train is at the station saying, all aboard. All aboard. Come receive the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of Christ. All aboard. But you don't know me. I'm a murderer. I'm a drug addict. All Come receive the mercy and compassion and forgiveness of the Lord. Because the train will soon leave the station. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your activity here in the house and online today. Holy Spirit, we ask that you touch lives, heal hearts. You know, one, one thing, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you have a family member that is not saved, we're going to pray for them right now. Can I just have you raise your hand? If you, if you have a family member, Romans watching you, amen, just raise your hand. Lots of hands going on over here. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for your, your children, for your loved ones, your beloved. God, there are uncles, there are aunties, there are sons, there are daughters. There are grandchildren, their neighbors, Father, that we want them to inherit this salvation. We pray that you take off the scales of their eyes, off their eyes. We pray that you give them a heart of flesh rather than a hardening of heart. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you knock on the door of their lives. Bring them into the fold and into the flock. Let them come and know that what they've been thirsty for is not in the world, but in you and only found in you. 
We ask for their salvation and we know, God, that you won't come until everybody has the opportunity. So we ask, Holy Spirit, knock on the door of their heart. Fill up this church. Give them invitation. Let them come home and be saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, everybody said, I'm going to have one more prayer real quick. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Man, we just got serious and real in church. Do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? One day you will die, just like everyone will. And your spirit will depart from your soul. There's no such thing as annihilism. You will not, not ever exist. But when you die, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord today? If he were to come back now, this very moment, would you go to heaven with him? Would you be raptured with his church? If you're not sure, there's not, there, you, what you need to do is give your life to him. Tell him how much you need him and ask for your forgiveness. And he will heal you and cleanse you from all sin and unrighteousness. He'll put a new hope in you. He'll put a new joy in you. He'll, you'll have a promise and a future. You'll have a new family of, of believers to surround you. Why not wait? Why wait? Give your life to him today. If you're watching online, chat with your host. They'll connect with you. But if you're in the house today, don't wait. The train is at the station. Don't be embarrassed. Here, we're going to love you. We're going to bless you. Out there, they're going to be ashamed of you. But on the count of three, I just want to see you honestly raise your hand unashamedly. I know I need Christ. I want him. I, see, I want to be with him. I want him to heal me of my sins. And he will surely do that. So on the count of three, without fear, if that's you, just raise your hand. Here we go. One, two, three. Amen. I see people raising their hands. Amazing. So good. One, two, three, four, five, six. So good. Anyone else? Anyone else? So amazing. Seven. So good. Awesome. Hands down. Eyes up. Heads up. All right. Give the Lord amazing clap. Come on, y'all. So powerful. Can I have you guys stand with me? So beautiful. I know that today's message was sobering. But I would not be doing my job if I didn't tell you the truth. That's my job. It's to tell the truth and to preach the scripture of Christ Jesus. Amen. How many of you are happy you heard the truth today? Amen. So good. It should set you free from fear and discouragement. Can you pray this prayer after me? Say, dear Jesus, thank you for sending your son to die for me on the cross. I believe I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a savior. Lord, I give you the keys of my life. I'm under new management. Holy Spirit, have your way. Lead me along your path. I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart that you are Lord of my life. And all the days of my life, I will live for you, I will serve you, and I'll follow you wherever you lead me. I'm not cruising, I'm climbing. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Give the Lord a clap. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Our mission as a church is choosing Jesus, chasing freedom, discovering our gifts, and serving Jesus. I have a question for you. What is your next step with Christ? Take your next step today by visiting thecallingla.com. If today's message touched you, we'd love to partner with you in sharing the hope and the message of Christ. So visit the callingla.com slash give.